This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And hello, you're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber. Here, uh, you, what you just heard is you, we started a rerun of one of my last episodes because we could not get Google Hangouts to work. So now, if you're available, you're watching me on Skype, you can go on to Pet Life Radio and see me live. Uh, that's three different words Pet, Life, and Radio. Don't put it all together. And uh, you can join us on Skype. But if you're not, you can listen to us. Hopefully, you can listen to us live on Pet Life Radio. You go on to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And uh, here I am. So if you want to send me a question or you want to talk about something, you can either have to hop on Skype or you're going to have to just type it in in chat. And um, we will get it passed to me immediately with a note. And I will go and kind of take a look and see what you want to know. Anyway, hope you're doing well. Hope you had a good week. Um, I certainly did. I have a beautiful day here in Southern California after two days of rain. I know it's funny. I don't like rain, but I love snow. In a couple of weeks, I'm heading up to Mammoth. So uh, I'm actually glad that it rained down here because when it rains down here, it's usually snowing up in the mountains. So uh, that makes me pretty happy. So um, anyway, a couple of things. As you know, I like to peruse the news on uh, the AHA, American Animal Hospital Association, and the American Veterinary Medical Association, and kind of see what's new and exciting. We have something that I definitely want to talk about. You know, it's interesting. I was going to talk about it anyway because it's something that hit the regular news. And very, very, very curious to know what you think. And we will talk about it coming up on the uh, second half of the show. Anyway, news. This is really a cute story. A 17-year-old girl lost her mother, and around the same time her mother was sick, she got a dog. And so the dog has kind of been the link to her mother. And um, so sadly, the dog was diagnosed with pretty bad heart disease. She couldn't stand the thought of of losing the dog soon after losing the mother. Well, P.S., she went on to crowdfunding and was able to raise enough money. They live in New York, went to Cornell University, fantastic vet school. And uh, they actually were able to put a pacemaker in her dog. The dog is doing great. And um, obviously, she's ecstatic. And just really, when you think about the ties and what these dogs mean to us, uh, I think that was just, that's a great story. That's that's a feel-good story. We love feel-good stories. Here's another one. You may have heard about this, a drug, because they were touting in people, too, called rapamycin. Rapamycin is actually an immunosuppressive agent. And they were saying about how it's amazing and it's going to extend lives, but it had never been scientifically proven. They had done some studies on mice. Anyway, University of Washington, the medical school, and Texas A&M, the veterinary school, have been studying it on mice and and did see uh, pretty interesting results, positive results. And they started doing testing on dogs. Now, it's only been about 10 weeks into the study, but already, already after 10 weeks, they've seen dramatic, dramatic improvement in the uh, significant improvement in heart function. So who knows? There might be something to it. I, I remember when it came out, people were calling me and, uh, you know, it was something used in veterinary medicine. They wanted to know if they could, if I, if I could write them a prescription for their dog for rapamycin so they could take it. Of course, that's not uh, up my alley. You know, you never know how things are going to react. You know, that's what the science and the research is all about. They start with the little mice, and then they're going to go to dogs, and hopefully there'll be an improvement in dogs, and then they'll have to start, you know, trying it in humans as well. But as we know from regular drugs, there's a huge difference often about 
drug doses, it's not always in a per pound body weight, has a lot to do with the, the system, the bodily systems, how they metabolize the drugs, how the drugs are absorbed, et cetera, et cetera. So for example, I'll give you a perfect example. There's a drug out there that's called Atarax. Atarax is uh, used as an antihistamine and also has a mild sedative effect. A person, an adult person, 160, 70, 80 pounds, would take the smallest dose comes in 10 milligram amitriptyline Atarax. So we'll take a 10 milligram pill. I once took a 10 milligram pill and it knocked me on my behind. The dose for dogs is a milligram per pound, meaning if you were to give a dog an appropriate dose of Atarax, amitriptyline, and the dog weighed 100 pounds, let's say it's a big dog like a Great Dane or something, you'd have to give 100 milligrams. So you see the difference. So just because a drug works, functionally works in an animal, you can't take the same dosing and try it in a person. It's got to go through some science and some research. So keep that in mind. Another really good feel-good story. I love these. Uh, this is from the American Veterinary Medical Association Smart Brief. And it's about a dog named Ghost. Ghost was a, a white pit bull cross that was found in Florida, homeless on the streets, taken to a local shelter, the dog was deemed to be deaf. And they thought they could not adopt this dog out. You know, it's very difficult to work with a deaf dog. And it was going to be put to sleep. Well, they reached out to shelters across the country to see who would want to take in this very young, a white pit bull cross deaf dog. And a, a shelter in Washington called the Olympic Peninsula Shelter took this dog in. And their trainer, who works with dogs at the shelter, noticed that this dog was actually picking things up rather quickly, despite its deafness. Well, P.S., long story short, Ghost is now the first deaf dog ever hired by the state of Washington to be a narcotics dog by the Department of Corrections. And um, it's amazing. This dog, they say, is just absolutely unreal. So it just goes to show you, you just don't just toss these dogs out just because this dog was adorable. Very, you know, very cute looking, by the way, and very sweet, loved everybody, and fortunately got his second chance. So uh, that's, that's really a cute story. My fourth thing here, I'm going to wait. We're going we're gonna to talk about this in the second half of the show, because to me, this is really something that we need to talk about. So I knew this was coming since the legalization of marijuana here in California as of January 1st. The veterinary associations are finally starting to argue and relaxing the bills. Uh, so this is a new bill that would basically relax the rules, allowing veterinarians to talk about cannabis, marijuana, the possibilities, the, the therapeutic values, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a lot of discussion because, as we know, and I say this to everybody, that we do know what the LD50 is, lethal dose 50. That's the dose at which 50% of the animals getting it will die from that dose. That's a very high dose. It's roughly three grams per kilogram. That's a lot. Okay. So, but we don't know what the therapeutic doses are because we don't know exactly what the toxic doses are. And because of the variation in the strength of these different forms of marijuana because of the different levels of THC, it's becoming very, very complicated. So how can we possibly start testing for what is therapeutic if we don't know what is toxic? So in order, we have to know what levels we have to avoid, or if we have gone up to that toxic level and have not yet gotten a therapeutic value, then we got to stop the test because we can't poison these dogs and say, oh yeah, well, the good news is we took care of the problem. The bad news is your dog is poisoned. I mean, you can't do that. So a lot more work needs to be done. Uh, there is a lot of work coming out of Colorado State University because the state of Colorado had legalized the recreational use a while ago. There are some other states in the Northeast that have but haven't don't have veterinary schools. So we will see a change. But right now, at best, 
Hopefully we can talk about it. I do talk about it. Uh, we do know that certain forms like CBD, which is cannabidiol, is actually really, relatively safe because there's no little to no THC, negligible amounts of THC. But as we get into the, you know, the cannabis oil, for example, and the cannabinoids, uh, there are going to be some THC, and therefore we have to be a little bit more careful, and we need to learn more before we start recommending it. But I will tell you, on the human side, where this has been legalized in Colorado for a while, and I went into a marijuana store and I got a chart, and it's it really is amazing. I mean, there are so many things. A good a colleague of mine here in Los Angeles is a homeopathic, he's a veterinarian, DVM, he practices Western medicine as well, but he also does a lot of homeopathy and naturopathy. And um, he is, you know, he knows he's got a lot of cases from uh, patients in other states where uh, there has been tremendous success. So there's a lot more to be learned. If anybody wants to chime in and let me know if they have any experiences, a good friend of mine has a lot of experiences in people that had the medical use cards and they have been using it on their dogs as well with a lot of success. So I have no doubt that there's value. The, the question is, we need to tread on this thin ice very carefully to make sure that we are not going to hurt our patients because we just don't understand all enough about the toxicity. Another recall, another recall, uh, not that I'm surprised. I would say it's voluntary, which I, I love when companies start testing and they see there may, may be a problem. They don't want to take any chances, so they recall their food. This is coming from Vital Essentials. Uh, it's a voluntary recall due to possible salmonella contamination. The specific brand is Vital Essentials freeze-dried beef niblet entree for dogs. You can get it online, Amazon, Chewy.com. So just be careful. If you have one, you might, might want to contact the company. They will tell you what lot numbers they fear may have been contaminated and uh, you will get you know free food, whatever they, they will replace it. It's only one batch, so one or two batches. So you know, again, and hey, this stuff does happen as we talked last week with where, where some of these, where phenobarb, uh, pentobarbital is getting into pet food, right? So you, you never know. There are so many rungs along that ladder, that food ladder chain of how it goes from animal into food that there are a lot of different areas where this may have become possible. Another caution, and this one is very, very, very serious. This comes from a veterinarian who is often is, is telling us to really avoid black market medications. What does that mean? This means you're getting these meds from a source that is not a, an approved source, not coming from a veterinarian, not coming from a veterinary approved pharmacy. So what happened to her is someone broke into her hospital and stole a lot of medication. And then I'm sure they put it online to sell it at a much of a reduced price because when you steal something, it costs you a zippo, a lot of risk possibly, <laughs> stupidity, but as far as financial costs. So anything you sell that for, you can sell it for 50% of what the doctors, the vet is selling it for, and you're going to make money. It's all profit to you. Well, the caution is that a lot of weirdos are out there and we don't know how effective you don't, if you're not without talking to a veterinarian, you may not know side effects, things you need to watch out for. And more importantly, as this veterinarian states is because of the strange people that would do that, might they sort of been tampering with the medication? And if so, there's no guarantee because if there's any alteration or tampering, money injecting something in the medication that can be very harmful to dogs, you, know, you have no idea of what the motivation is of somebody who's going to break into a vet hospital and steal drugs and steal medications. So, you know, if, heaven forbid, uh, somebody who had a really bad experience with a dog and now wants to, you know, become a vigilante. So be very, very careful. Just because it's less expensive does not mean it's as good. There may be some issues with it. Stick 
to your veterinarians. And you, by the way, when a product is sold by a veterinarian, the manufacturers are usually standing behind their product. If there is an untoward event that can be proven that it came from that medication, the companies will stand behind their product. Likewise, if you're going to get it from an online pharmacy, and there are many, and they often offer really, really great pricing, again, you have to understand that they will stand behind their products as well. And there are a number of really you know, good, veterinary-approved, veterinary-endorsed online pharmacies. So anyway, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, we started late, so we're a little, little behind on everything. We will make it up on the second part of the show, and we're going to talk about something near and dear to some, some of you, I'm sure, but it's sort of hit the news big time. We're going to talk about cloning our pets. So don't go away. We'll be back after these short messages. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. You know that feeling when you go to clean the litter box and it's a complete disaster? Yeah, we've got you covered. Introducing World's Best Cat Litter Zero Mess, the advanced litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. Zero Mess combines the concentrated power of corn with super-absorbent plant fibers. Translation, scoop once and you're done. Find it at a pet store near you and save $2. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops. Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Uh, welcome back. You're once again here live with Dr. Jeff. And before the break, I left you with a, a topic that I wanted to talk about, which has received a lot of attention lately because, as many of you heard, I'm sure, that Barbara Streisand decided to clone her dog at the cost of about $100,000. Can it be done? Yes. But we got to talk for a second about cloning. From a safety standpoint, yeah, it can be done. It can be done. You have to go through. It's not easy. You got to find then a surrogate to carry the embryo, et cetera, et cetera. So, yes, can you create a dog with identical genetic material to the dog that you are trying to clone? And the answer to that is yes, yes, it's possible scientifically. But are you going to get the same dog? And that answer is flat out no. First of all, I have identical twin cousins. My son-in-law, my daughter's husband, is an identical twin that were raised in the same environment, same environment. But are they exactly the same personality? No. Do they look alike? Yes, they do. But they're not the same. In order to have a clone turn out to be exactly exactly like the dog you are trying to clone, you would have to mimic the exact same environment and experiences and how they were handled from the day that puppy was brought into your home. And even before that with mom, but there is no mom. 
So, so what I'm trying to get at is that when I hear things like this, it cringes me a little bit because if you want, if you, let's say, for example, I love my Frenchies, I love my Labradors, my, I love all my dogs, my Labradoodle, but for years I had Labradors, usually two at a time. And I mean, for, we're talking 40 years of Labradors. And I got my first one as a high school president when I was 17, took it to college with me. So I would say, sadly, 45 years of Labradors. And, and I still have, I still have one. I just, as you, many of you know, I recently had to put my second one to sleep. That was Grover at 16 and a half years of age. But, you know, you can get dogs. I've had dogs that looked a lot like my prior labs, but the chances of getting the exact same dog are very slim. Why? Because we, as we all know, when it comes to personality, we are products of our experiences, of our environment. So yes, genetically, we are the same. Twins are the same. But how many stories you hear of twins that were separated at birth and reunited years later, okay? Growing up differently. Amazingly, they look alike. And they still might have a lot of likes and dislikes that are similar. But are they going to handle every situation the same? Are they responding the same? Are they the same person? The answer is no, they're not. And as I said, even twins that grow up, identical twins that grow up in the same environment with the same parents and going to the same school and going to the same class, end up with different friends. I mean, these experiences shape personality. So the likelihood that that when you clone a dog, it's going to be the same dog. Now, the only thing you can be guaranteed pretty much is going to look the same. But how can you copy? You know, you're going back. If you're cloning a dog, let's say the dog is, I don't know, 15, 14 years of age when it died. So now you say to yourself, you know what? I love this dog. I want to clone. Maybe the dog is still alive and you want to clone it. There's not going to be the guarantee. So I've always said, and to me, cloning a dog, let's go backwards. Let's talk about $100,000. Okay. $100,000. Do you know how many dogs could be adopted from shelters or rescue groups? How many dogs could have that surgery that could save its life for $100,000? This is the same argument I have with my rescue groups all the time, that you know they raise money to do a fairly expensive procedure with no guarantee of success on a dog that's older. And I'm not trying to be harsh or cruel, but you know, as I, I've often mentioned, when dealing with situations like this, we need to practice what we call herd health. And for herd health mentality, we can't look at every pet as an individual. We have to say, okay, what is the best for the group? What's the best for the herd? Because if I can sacrifice, if you will, not to term that we're going to put it to sleep or kill it, but sacrifice one animal to save hundreds, that's the herd health mentality. Now, if this were a home situation and a pet that has grown up in a family, oh, 100%, go for it. I always joke with clients, if I can, if I can guarantee success, you know, surgery that is going to save this pet, I'll tell, I jokingly tell a client, I'm not serious, go rob a bank, you know, go, go beg. Beg, beg, borrow, steal, as I say, because we can fix this dog. But if I can't, if there's risk involved, if there's not a guarantee of success to a rescue group that doesn't have the emotional tie yet to an animal they just pulled out of a shelter, then again, I'm, I would say, look, take that money and go save 50 more, 40 more dogs that can find good homes that don't need any help, that are good right now. So the point is, that and again, I've had you know it's interesting and and I I've been schooled by some of my rescues that have been trying to raise money and they say to raise money to pull animals out of a shelter is tough but to raise money to help one that needs help it's amazing how people are willing to give 
which is, goes back to the crowdfunding thing we talked earlier in the show when this the 17 year old girl needed a pacemaker for her dog and you know again it was life-saving the dog is doing great but for that you go to crowdfunding and say, oh my god you show pictures of this poor dog you tell the story about this poor little girl who lost her mother and the dog is a link to the her mother's memory and before you know it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars are pouring in say you know i i want to go to the shelter these dogs are going to be put to sleep tomorrow if we don't save them today and you get some money trickling in. It is amazing. So, you know, in, in that regard, if it's easier to collect money to do that, then I guess you got to do what you got to do. But cloning, on the other hand, at that cost is something that is a big concern of mine because you're not going to get the guarantee by any means that the dog is going to turn out to be the same dog that you're cloning. Because unless you can mimic the personalities, then you're going to be really unlucky. So I would say that something to really consider, first of all, I'm sure most of us don't have $100,000 sitting around to clone your dog. But I will tell you this, that I feel as a, a pet nut that I would have lost out so often on having some of the most amazing dogs in my life, cats in my life, even my new little hamster, if I were to try to clone one of my prior ones. Because I have to tell you, there is a special spot that every single one of them is going to find in your heart. And that's where, what it boils down to. And I definitely would not have had some of the wonderful relationships and experiences I've had with future pets, even though my past pets were fantastic and I loved them. But you know what? I've loved all of them. And I feel I would have been depriving myself of some phenomenal experiences had I ever considered taking one of them and saying, you know what? I think you were the best. I want to clone you. Well, guess what? Until you have more, until you have more experiences, you don't know what the best is. You think you know at that time. So, and as far as memorializing that lost pet, I will also tell you clearly that the best way, in my opinion, to remember, memorialize a lost pet is through a future pet. Because inevitably, that future pet is going to exhibit some behavior, some vocalization, some expression, something that will have you saying, oh my God, do you remember? Bowser used to do that. Rover used to do that. Thor used to do that. So that's how you memorialize your lost pet. So not only memorializing them, but saving a life on a new one. And for every pet that someone thinks they're going to re recreate their great pet at some ridiculous cost of you know, amount of money, just think how many animals could have been saved that are going to be put to sleep instead of being adopted. So with that in mind, I would love to hear from you about this, your opinions, your thoughts. You can get a hold of me at Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. And I'm sorry we didn't have our Google Hangouts up and running because it would have been great to have you have joined me at this discussion. So maybe next week we can talk a little bit again about this. Tell me how you feel. Tell me what you think. If you think I'm wrong, I'd love to hear it. If you think I'm right, of course, we'd love to hear that too. So anyway, have a great week, everybody. I'm heading off today for the Western Veterinary Conference in Las Vegas. We'll be there through Wednesday, um, but I'll be back next Sunday, same time, same channel, right here on Pet Life Radio, and to talk some pets. All right, thanks for joining me, and have a great week. See you next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>